Turtleheads, Tina C here. Join me, the early bird, every Saturday morning, 11am to midday, for an hour of rock and metal, from classic to new releases, guaranteed to wake you up inside and get you ready for the weekend, only on MMH, the home of rock radio. people hello good evening welcome my name is ben you're now listening to dancing with the dead on mmhradio.co.uk we've got two hours of happy shiny awesome new tunes for you except the added bonus this week we also have two absolutely fantastic interviews yeah got to speak to a musical legend of mine a massive massive hero uh, nick holmes of uh, host and paradise lost Yep, he's talking about the new host record, which is due out at the end of February. Going to have their new single and the previous singles, and of course, a nice long chat with Nick uh, coming up in about 20 25 minutes or so. And then in the second hour of the show, I was also lucky enough to have a chance to speak to uh, two of the three chaps from Bury Me Where I Fall. Absolutely fantastic band from the Midlands, bringing a nice big sort of metal sort of. So like a Metallica kill switch sort of type vibe going on. We talked to them about their sound, their influences and the such like and what they currently think the state of the music world is like. Hopefully you'll enjoy that. In between that, we're going to throw some new tunes at you. Okay? Right, so to kick us off, a band called Zebedee. I love this. <laughs> the song is absolutely fantastic. It's called The City Is Ours.
The band are called Zebedee. The song is called This This City Is Ours. It's their current single. Um, I believe it comes out next weekend for streaming options. And it's taken from their forthcoming record, Waiting for the Tide. The record is due out on the 3rd of February. I'm not gonna lie, I'm looking forward to hearing that shenanigans. That's like the second track I've heard from them. And yeah, it's bouncy, it's energetic, and I'm loving the big chorus. I really, really am. Seriously cool, that lovely funky bass they got kicking around that one as well. The previous one was a bit more of a straightforward rock song. This one has got a bit more groove to it, and I really, really like that. You want to go check them out? Instagram is Zebedee UK and Zebedee Music on Facebook and YouTube um, and uh, zebedee.bandcamp.com. The record is available for pre order and such like. Go and throw some money at these champs. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, singles out next week and the album is out the following week. Yes so so cool so so cool that was zebedee and this city is ours right next another band that managed to bring that groove to the plate is the great alone this is their current single it's called prism Prison that 
the band are called The Great Alone. This song is called Prism. Uh, they've also got another single kicking about at the moment called Cell. You can stream both of them on your digital platform of choice. You can also go and find various YouTube videos for them and such like. I think that's absolutely fantastic. He started out originally as a work of one man. Um, he then found himself a lady to help bring some distinct variety with her, too, with her vocal stylings. And they finally sort of acquired themselves a drummer to round out the lineup. And um, yeah, just rolled from there. You want to go check them out? It's tgaofficial.com. Um, or if you look up The Great Alone Music on Facebook, you can find them there. And The Great Alone Official on Instagram. There's also a chance to go and check them out on, like I said, on YouTube um, and of your digital platform of choice. The band themselves specify Spotify in the PR, but um, that choice is entirely up to you. So if you are subscribed to Spotify or the alternatives, I believe they're available on all of them. Go and check them out. That's rather marvellous. I like that. I do like that. The song is called Prism. Love the build. Really love the bass on it too. Really cool. Right, so where are we going to go to next? Next we are going to go to, going to slow it down and get a slightly more classic sort of type vibe with it. Up next is a band called Slow Cinema. This is really cool. First time I heard from this band, they dropped us a wonderful song called Sizzler. Oh, and it does sizzle. <laughs>
What do you reckon that then, folks? Slow Cinema. The song is called Sizzler. I really like that. I love that groove. The band Nick Nice, they've got like a bizarre mixture of sort of that 70s sort of style rock and sort of proggy type vibe going on. But they also love indie and there's also a real poppy sort of flavour to it. I think it's a wonderful mixture of styles and I think it's absolutely fantastic. The band are from Newcastle. Game on. Happy days. Uh, you can always track that record. That track is out available via the uh, Bread and Butter Records on 31st of January. Um, it'll be available for streaming via your platform of choice. You want to go check them out? Slow Cinema Band on Instagram and Facebook. Really cool. I really, really like that. Seriously, it's a, as, as I said, that sort of 70s, that sort of 70s sort of bits with the indie and the pop sort of mixture. It's not a style that I've heard before, and I think it works really, really well. Well played. Well played. Right, so where are we going to go next? Uh, to round up this little chunk, we're going to line it up a little bit before we come back. We're going to have another track on the other side before we start talking to Nick Holmes. So um, up next is Holy Popes. This is really cool. The song is called DBT.
you want to hear new music, new rock, new punk, new metal. No, not that new metal, as in metal that's new, not baggy trousers. Maybe baggy trousers. We'll see. You want to check out Dancing with the Dead on a Saturday night from 8 till 10. Ben Jekyll's here. Nothing but wall-to-wall new stuff from start to finish. MMH, the home of rock radio.
What do you reckon of that then, folks? That is The Sky Beneath Us. The song is called Ghosts in the Machine. I think that's an absolute monster. I love the build-up, love the nice big riff. Really cool chorus, awesome vocals. There's nothing but win for that bad boy. Nothing but win at all. Uh, you want to go check him out? It's at The Sky Beneath Us Band on Facebook. Um, yeah, the band I've said about the song. In short, it's about the idea of people's internal and mental struggles. Ultimately, um, I was uh, trying to create a representation of that internal battle for confidence that we all have. We want to come home, back to being ourselves and where we belong. Seen a reference to the lyrics there, very well played. Um, it talks about lessons learned along the way. I've seen and learned some things, I've seen the trouble that freedom brings. Yeah, and uh, how having uh, the independence of growing up also brings new challenges and burdens into our world where th that we were never prepared for. Sometimes it can feel like this never-ending race to survive and get back home. Absolutely fantastic. Seriously, I really, really like that lot. Nothing but love for them in every shape or form. Awesome riffs amazing vocal really cool groove yeah fearsome fearsome the sky beneath us underscore official on instagram the sky beneath us band on tiktok and the sky beneath us all one word on youtube absolutely brilliant and uh, as mentioned before yeah the sky beneath us band on facebook fearsome so so cool so 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 cool right it's now time to hand over to a legend yes an absolutely musical hero of mine been listening to him in paradise lost for many many moons and um, when the opportunity came through to talk to uh, nick holmes about a new project that he's currently working on called host i had to grab it so less natter from you here more natter in the interview seriously nick thank you for the time i'm going to pass it over to myself and nick talking about the upcoming host project mmh the home of rock radio. Without further ado, um, Nick, thank you very much for taking the time to join me. Um, it's I've been listening to you as an artist now for must be 25 years. I must admit, I missed the beginning of Paradise Lost. Um, I, I, I sort of caught on around about just after Draconian time sort of time period. So I, I, for me, I got to hear, I guess, the, the sort of sister of this with the first host record from Paradise Lost as it happened. I remember seeing you guys on the cover of the Metal Hammer CD when I think you put behind oh. the he was behind the grey was on it. And uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not gonna. I, I, that's that, that. I still, for me, host is still my favorite Paradise Lost record. So I remember when seeing the, the the prospect of this record coming along. I yeah, I was very 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 excited about it. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah, it was sort of uh, probably ninety. I think when we did the we did the one second album after Draconian Time. Well, not, Draconian yeah. was ninety five, so it was sort of towards the end of the nineties. That's when we. I think host was ninety nine or something. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a long time ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we did what we did then, and we haven't really thought about music in that kind of style much since, if I'm honest, uh, with Paradise Lost. But um, we we saw about six years ago. I think Greg did some sort of electronic type thing, and we thought straight away it was too much light, too much you know the direction we've gone with PL. It, it was it didn't really suit that. So we said, oh, let's just write some songs in the more in the vein of the kind of stuff we did around the, the host album and then we had to stop because i think we had, we went on tour and then a couple of years passed and then the only, we 
when the pandemic came along, we actually had a bit of time so we could actually progress it a bit further and then we managed to write full albums of, of, of material, you know. Um, so that's pretty much how, it, how we managed to, it came about, really. Is we just actually had the time to do it, I think, more than anything. So, yeah. Well, except I remember I was doing a little bit of reading. It said that um, Greg said that he started doing more um, sort of, what's the phrase you use, sound sort of scapey type stuff with one of his relatives. Um, and he was sort of exploring the, the, the textures more. Yeah, he's always been in that. You know, the, the sound, different sounds element. You know, I mean, when you're doing metal music, there is a certain, there is certain limitations within it. You know, and then if you explore it too much, then it all of a sudden isn't metal anymore. So, so it was a case of, you know, just just trying to, you know, exploring different, experimenting with different sounds, etc., etc. I guess from his from his perspective, mm -hmm. for me, it was more it was just about putting it all together, you know, with, uh, as it, as it turned into a song, you know, with, with the lyrics and the melodies, etc. So, uh, and it's pretty much how we work. With, we we work when we write PL songs, really, but it was just different textures, different textures, I guess, you know. Yeah, as I mean, it was. It's it's very it, for me. It's nice to hear you using your voice in a different style again. You know, because I mean, I know that when you sort of you can see how you went from the gruff growl through to the very very clean singing orientation for for a large period in Paradise Lost, and you you you've you've, yeah, you've, yeah. you've gone back to the heavier elements of Paradise Lost, but of course you've gone to the even heavier extreme with your work with Bloodbath. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's it's just a case of uh, being able to switch from one to the other, which uh, I always used to find it very difficult. Actually, I, I, I can do it, but I can now I can kind of I can switch fairly easily, provided I don't hammer it too much um, from the gruff <laughs> stuff. But uh, yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's it's nice. You know, I mean, you, your voice just changed. I mean, everybody's voice has changed. I mean, my voice is very different to what it was 25 years ago. You know, I mm -hmm. mean, uh, I remember someone saying that in an interview, and I thought that sounds strange, but it actually does. It does. It does change. So, um, so yeah, it's, I mean, my, you know, the gruff style I do is different to the gruff when I started, when we started in the nineties, you know, it's a very different kind of gruff style. Mm. Um, so yeah, but no, it's nice to, um, you know, yeah, it's nice to kind of just do the more kind of laid back approach and just kind of, you know, sort of approach it from that aspect as opposed to just trying to be heavy, you know, all the time, etc. you know. Mm. I mean, for me, I, I, I feel that the, the best sort of balance of it was on your In Requiem record where you sort of had the slightly synthier, lighter moments in comparison to those big, massive, thundering guitars. This one, it feels like the bombast is there, but it's being presented, as, as you mentioned earlier, the textures are different, so the, the build and the swell is still there. It's like, I mean, it's like a music soundtrack. I mean, we've, we've always been fascinated by music soundtracks because I always, I always find music in movies is generally... People take it for granted too much, mm. but I mean, to create tension and etc. etc. You know, the music probably in a lot is, is the is parcel package for, for a lot of films mm -hmm. without knowing it. It's kind of been like in the background thing, uh, but yeah, I, I was you know, the, the way certain music music makes you feel, and mm -hmm. I just love that aspect of it. So, I guess you know, when you're playing with different textures and you can really play with it a lot more when you can use different sounds and then you, you know like, like, like i said with, with metal it's certainly and especially with death metal it's even more restricted it's just full on <laughs> very uh, much so yeah. I, I, can, kind of evil and more evil with with, with death metal. <laughs> how evil can you get you know which i do i, I love that as well you know but uh but yeah there's more you know there's more uh, room to play around with sounds i think with 
with the what we're doing with the, with the house thing. You know? I mean, what do you guys say? I mean, there's been a definite lean towards um, that sort of 80s sound. I'd probably say from around about maybe 2012, 2013, uh, we had Kavinsky coming on doing his thing and Kallax doing his thing and then gunships started to explode and his things are starting to move more in that direction. You've got artists like Carpenter Brutes and Perturbator and Ghost, who you work with on the host record. Do you think these guys have helped sort of maybe inspire you to try this a little bit more? I don't. I, um, I don't think so, really, because it's we grew up with the eighties music anyway. Because mm-hmm. we're eighties kids. It's, I mean, you know, it's at the risk of sounding like an, a, an old fart. You know, I, I do think that the eighties music probably is an amazing decade. You know, there hasn't really been a decade like it. I don't. Think. Oh God, yeah, no. I mean, you, you went from being having to need a band to create to one person could do it all yeah. themselves. It was an amazing I, time. And also, a lot of the music that was around. We 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 actually. Even if you didn't actually like it, you would you were aware of it because mm-hmm. the only you, you know you heard it constantly. It was just everywhere, you know. What I mean, and, and even if you, you know, and even and when I started to get into metal, I I probably still secretly loved Abba and, and, and you know Duran uh, Duran. <laughs> you know, you'd never tell anybody, you know. What I mean? so it's like, but um, so yeah, it's it's. I mean, the, as a decade of music, it was absolutely phenomenal. You know, I mean, it really, really was. Yes. Yeah. So, but I mean, you know, I you know I say these things to my children, and they just their eyes glaze over, and they just think I'm talking a little bit. So. So it's um, so yeah, you know, at the risk of sounding like an old an old git, but we did grow up in that era, so uh, you know, we haven't really had a decade as 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 good as that for music, you know, in my opinion. But again, I'm kind of going to say that anything you hear from being, I don't know, 13 years old to 21 is going to be the, the music that's the soundtrack to your life anyway. You know, when yeah. you grew up listening. I think it's going to be, you know, when you get in your fifties, you're still going to talk about stuff you liked when you in the when you were fifteen, sixteen, because that's you know that was the soundtrack so you were listening to then. You know, I, I would say arguably the nineties they were. I think from the whole cross pollination thing, I'd say probably the nineties were probably you know there seemed to be more open, more options for people to mix things up in the nineties. You know, electronica and rock and rap and rock and all this sort of stuff seemed like more sort of crossing over. But I'd say the sonic yeah. impact of the eighties. That, the, the 90s couldn't have happened without the 80s smashing them doors open in the first place, you know? Yeah, I mean, the thing for me was more, the 80s was more about songs. It's just the songs from that era. They're just, they're just like so much better, you know? I mean, there's just so many great, even if it's not particularly your field or whatever, there's some of the songwriting is superb. Oh, yeah. Um, with, like I say, with 90s, I guess, certain things were taken to different extremes and you know, that was, well, it was a Britpop, wasn't it? Which... Mm. <laughs> Still seems like a new thing to me. <laughs> like, I mean, new metal is like something that happened yesterday to me. It's like you know, uh, even though that's like, what is that? Twenty-five years old now or something? But uh, uh, yeah, well, so what's the term? Was Evanescence's <laughs> first album, Fallen, turns twenty this year? Wow. Yeah, wow. I know. I know it's terrifying. Linkin Park's second album turns twenty this year. That's the really worrying thing. <laughs> I think the the, the the thing that changed, I think, for me for the eighties is the songs. It's going back to what you mentioned about films, you started to associate particular songs, not just over soundtracks, but songs with certain films, you know? Yeah. And the two became so much more intrinsically linked. You know, no matter how many times I hear it, I will forever associate Simple Minds with The Breakfast Club. I know they did so much more than just that song, but I'm always going to think of Judd Nelson yeah, with hand raised. Yeah, they used to use a, like a metal soundtrack on the end of every horror film as well, that became a thing <laughs> yeah. as well. There was always a metal. Yeah, I remember this film Demons, uh, and I think there's a scene in the middle where they're kind of running around a cinema, running from the demons, and they play yes. "Fast as a Shark" yes, um, yes, by, yes. and that and that's one of the first. I mean, that's '80s, but that's one of the first times I remember seeing like a metal song in a, in a in a 
like a well, it's obviously going to be a horror film. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's one of the first all it, it happening in my plan before then, but that's the first time I think I can remember. Yeah, because I mean, in the 90s, it felt like they began sort of curating the soundtracks. They started to sort of collect the soundtracks as a collection of actual songs. You know, because I mean, The Breakfast Club, it's probably one I've watched the most before I refer to it a lot. Um, You know, it's got like two or three bona fide songs and the rest is like a soundtrack, sort of individual, of like sort of like soundscapes and such like. Then you move to the 90s and you get things like even something simple as um, sort of Last Action Hero, where it was mainly a rock-based soundtrack or The Crow or Spawn, where they started to... Soundtracks was, yeah. become a collect like fifteen songs as well as like a score, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was. I mean, yeah, I remember it was. I used to walk around with a big CD, one of those huge CD changes. Yeah, yeah. On, like, around, my, around my neck, kind of weighing my neck. <laughs> on to have, yeah, like you say, we had this. The, the, I mean, the Dracula soundtrack, the Crow soundtrack. I, 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 I had Brave, I had Braveheart soundtrack as well. <laughs> and I remember it was kind of stuck on a loop. I remember I was flying to Japan and uh the, the cd was stuck and i listened to the same song up for about seven hours and i was like a long cd is this and it was basically i says i mean i like it but it's a bit monotonous you know and i didn't realize it was just literally the same thing for hours and hours before i mean i had a few drinks so i didn't really, I didn't really know. So, yeah, 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 CD, yeah. So, um, right, so uh, so the album is uh, called Nine, and you're out at the end of February. Three singles, well, two singles, and the third single is out in theory, according to your Facebook page, 13th. Yeah, I was still Friday, but what's, well, what, well, around now. Yeah. It's any day now. <laughs> third single, My Only Escape. Absolutely fantastic track. It really, really is. I've, I'm very thankful Emma sent um, the album across yesterday. Ah, oh, cool. Cool, thanks, man. Wow. I really like it. Yeah, absolutely. It's. I remember. I remember seeing the the the, the original post on the Paradise Lost page. You know, the, the, the teasing host and just thinking, oh no, they have they have they, have they and sort of being hoping right. that you were going back to this particular period and thinking, is it going to be like a a lot like a, like a second album or underneath the underneath the Paradise Lost banner, but seeing it's a it's, you know a completely new project and. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's everything that I hoped it would be uh, and more. Mm. It's really? yeah, a, a phenomenal collection of songs. It truly, truly is. Um, oh, cool. uh, I mean, obviously, a lot of times past since we did the host. I mean, and it isn't. Yeah. We, I don't even think we've listened to that as a reference. We didn't. You know, it wasn't like okay, it's host two. Mm. Um, obviously, we call the project host because we were just lazy. But um, <laughs> I guess, I guess uh, yeah, there's obviously going to be links. To that bit we didn't use it as a, as a blue as a blueprint for, for this at all you know it was, no. I mean, it was quite different to that but it's a, it's the same sort of you know it's in a similar ballpark i guess you know so yeah i mean it's, it's i'd say you know there's there's similarities of the style you know the fact that it's still a very electronic album in comparison to a very guitar based album much like yeah. host it feels slightly more I mean, I'd, I'd say the the, the the album nine sounds more 80s in comparison i know that a lot of yeah. people compared the, the original host to uh, parallel to a depeche mode sounding record but uh, it, 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 yeah. I'd, I'd say that it's a fair comparison whereas this sounds like a very much more 80s inspired record in comparison to just being... yeah I, I guess so yeah i mean a lot like i said a lot of that stuff i think it's kind of hard coded in as from like you know what we were saying earlier when you grow up listening to it yeah you instantly kind of it's sort of sound which you associate with I was going to say happier times but that sounds a bit negative <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's being, it's being youthful 
<laughs> it's fine. It's fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, as I mean, the, the the running order from it is 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 rather inventive because I mean, Wretched Soul feels like a is is the opening track in it. It feels more like an actual band as opposed to the electronic project. Um, so I remember as, as it's one of your guys. He you had some live drums on the record, and you also had some yeah. And you've got some electronic yeah, well, generated drums, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, well, I think the majority of it is, is electric, but the um, yeah, there was a couple. Of, I think um, I think that the drums on "Hiding from Tomorrow" are real. Uh, I mean, Gomez, who did the uh, the engineering for it, mm-hmm. recording for it. I mean, he's a drummer anyway. Ah, okay. So we we just said, oh, you, you know, he said, oh, I'll just I'll just do some real drums on it, you know. So it, it was. So it kind of it, it was very convenient. He was in the studio anyway, so so yeah. So and he's a drummer, so yeah, perfect. Happy little accidents. These things happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, no, it, it was yeah, it was quite you know every, the, the recording and everything was very smooth. There was no hiccups at all. Quite easy, easy going, etc. So yeah, it all, all came together quite well. Yeah. Join me, Andy Shaw, every Thursday from 10pm till midnight for some of the best extreme metal from around the world. That's Thursday, 10pm till midnight, Dark Side, only on MMH, the home of rock radio. Don't move. 
I mean, it's it's the the album has worked. It, it, honestly, it works absolutely fantastically. It truly, truly does. Uh, the build and the way this, the album actually, I like the way the album sort of flows. Was there any sort of any sort of arguments over the running order of the record? Yeah, I'm, no, not really. I, I it's always weird with running orders because for me, it's usually the first and last song that I worry about. Oh, okay. Um, uh, I tend, I, I, I try not to get involved in it because <laughs> you start if you become precious with it, or, or, or nowadays I kind of go with the majority because if it's like five people say, okay, we think it should be this order. Someone, someone usually puts a, a, an order together and then you then you pick at it. But yeah, nine times out of ten, I, I just kind of go with the flow with it. But I think the first song's important, you mm. know, and, and the last one. But you get too uh, precious with it, you're gonna end up having an argument about it. And that's, <laughs> I, I, I'm not even interested in arguing about that. So, yeah, it seems um, fair. Yeah. But yeah, running order is always, always an issue uh, every every album you do, I guess. But, yeah, these I mean, days I take back a little bit. Yeah, because uh, this one you start off with Wretched Soul, and this one you finish on the uh, Flock of Seagulls cover. Yeah, I mean, well, that's kind of an extra, well, it's an extra song, but yeah, it's, it's sort of... Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Oh, okay, yeah, so instinct in theory is the is the is the proper one on yeah, the record. Ah, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. Um, I mean, that's why the arms night because there's like nine original tracks we wrote. Ah, uh, okay. Yes, it two, two, see, two it's two obvious when you say it out loud. Now I feel bad. <laughs> no, it is. Yeah, I see. It's easy to, to, to uh, mistake it, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. We, I mean, we did the. the I mean, the, the this flock of seagulls song. We've, it's always been around, but I never really appreciate what a good song it was mm. until about five years ago. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think it was. I think it was on the uh, the Grand Theft Auto. Is it San Andreas? I think it was on one I, of the radio sticks. Yeah. I was playing, I was playing that game, and they had like an eighties channel, and it, and it used to play a lot. And, and I was like, God, this song is so good. <laughs> uh, I've obviously heard it, you know, uh, when I was out, you know, as a kid. But I, I was like, wow, this is such a good song. So I mean, we just, you know. We've done a version of it. We've done different things of how it sounds. You, you can never—I don't think you can ever improve these things, but you can make them sound different, you know. And that's pretty much what we've done. We just make it sound differently. I think so. that's the point of it. For me, I mean, I can appreciate, you know, if you if you're like a tribute band, you want to sound as close to the original as you can. That's the whole point. But if you're just another band and you're giving it your own twist, if it's recognisable, so that you know what the, so you know what it is. It, but it's given enough of its own tr- of a, of your own personality stamped on it. Then for me, it's a fun cover, and I must admit, I really like it. I think it's fun. Um, yeah, yeah, really enjoyed it. Little, yeah, I mean, we've done a lot of eighties um, covers really in the, over the years. Mm. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, for, for metal bands, a lot of time it's just a case of just making it heavy, mm. uh, which we've just done. We've done that as well. We've done. We've just basically just beefed it up. You know, they they made it from pop into a metal song, but play it exactly the same, just like a heavy version. Uh, but then we've kind of changed it slightly. I think we did uh, "Missing" uh, by Everything But the Girl, mm. PL. We made that quite different uh, to the original. So um, yeah, it's always interesting. I mean, we've done plenty of '80s covers actually. They're always interesting to do. Uh, see, I know that's I know it's something that you guys definitely experienced from when the first host record came out. Were you guys concerned about any gatekeepers or any backlash about the fact that you were doing essentially a pop record with with Nine? No, not really. I think it's a lot different now. I mean, there's no mystery behind anything. You know, social media is where you find out things very quickly. You find out truths very quickly. You find out, you can find out, you can talk about what you're going to do. You know, people, people don't, nothing just comes out of the blue. You know, I mean, I think Horse was a little bit out of the blue. I mean, obviously, um, the, the one second before it was a, was a bit of a precursor to it. Mm. Uh, 
but then it was like, oh wow, you know, what's that, what's going on with these guys, you know? Yeah. Uh, now you can sort of see things coming in either way, I think, and how the labels tease, you know, they release singles very early on, yeah. and all that kind of thing. So, um, so it's, I think it's a plus. I mean, you know, it was a long time ago we did that. We've done so many albums with PL since then. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, you know, I don't, I just think it's a very different time to what it was when we did the first album. Yeah. It's very different. I mean, the internet, I think it was, you know, it was pretty much in its infancy when, you know, well, it hadn't reached mainstream adoption at that point, I don't think. It, it was still very much, you know, only people with the 56k dial-up routers. There wasn't a lot yeah. of people had those at that point, I don't think. Yeah, it's back in the days of cover mount CDs that you just don't see anymore. Just don't have yeah, yeah. I, I miss cover mount CDs. I used to love those. Yeah, this, well, yeah, this, the flexi discs and all that. Yeah, yeah. found so many <laughs> amazing bands on them CDs. Really ridiculous. Oh, I think that was the fun part of it because I mean, you can go on a bit of a wander around Spotify, but because it's curated by someone else, you know, it, it doesn't ever feel quite the same as that. As that, oh, right, what's next sort of type thing. Yeah, well, I mean, what what I find is with with, with the, like Spotify, etc. I just tend to not really listen to bands. I just I, I end up listening to songs and mm. I never really check out the back catalogs as much as you would do. With physical, with a physical product, you know, I, I tend to kind of flit around different bands, and I'll put together my own place of something I've heard and I've liked. But I never really find time to go back and explore the, the, the catalogue, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, we always used to do with, with, when we bought vinyl, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a shame. I mean, there's, there's, there's always the, there's a lot of arguments about whether or not times are better now in the age of streaming for the artists, or whether they were better during the time of the recording contracts in the heyday of the CD sales and such like. And I must admit, I always find it interesting to to see different people's point of view on it. For example, um, Daniel Graves of Aesthetic Perfection maintains that he's better off now with doing right. streaming and the such like than he ever would have been when he was a as, as a signed artist. Uh, to the point that in 2021 he released a song every month for the whole year as part of an ongoing yeah. project to to test himself to an extent and to see if the system would work. I think it depends on on the individual. I mean, also you can release songs, but you've also got to be very uh, Kind of active on your socials and you know uploading videos and and, and kind of uh, podcasts and all this kind. Of, I mean, if you if you're into that sort of world, then it's great. Now you know you can really do. But you've got to work. You know you've got to work as hard as anything. But you, as long as you're, you're happy to do all that, if you're quite a shy person, you're reserved and you're not really into that. I, I guess you're going to find it tougher now. Back in the 70s, 80s, you could just do it. If you did a great album, you could do one tour, then you can vanish vanish away for three years and no one would even know anything. And next time you came out again, you'd still have a similar amount of respect. But now you've got to, you've got to keep the plate spinning. Yes. You know, and if you're quiet, like I said, if you, if you're not that kind of loud, get the filming everything you do, blah blah, then you, I think you will find it tough. And you can't just rely on making good music anymore. I think there's, there's, you've got to do with more, bit more involved in it. You know, as a, as a, you bring your personality into it more. I think as well. Um, but you know, that isn't for everybody. You know?
the days of social media managers just wouldn't have happened. And now, you know, you have to, it's an extra person to add to your payroll, isn't it, to be a social media sort of conduit to run your various, you know, pages in the search like so the fans can engage with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's like I say, it's, it's absolutely fascinating how, how, how different it actually is to what it used to be like. It's almost like, compl- I mean, we've, we've always been going throughout it, you know, uh, we never stopped had a break and then come back and thought, oh my no. God, what's happened <laughs> to the music? <laughs> uh, we've always, so we've seen it change right from the, the 80s. So, we, you know, yeah. we've been around. Yeah, you, you, like, I mean, I think, you know, the, the plates spinning is a good way to put it really because I, I can't think of a different, a, a better way to describe it because you really could, you know, you'd release an album and then it's almost like, okay, when's your next one out? It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. You know, when you should be able to have like 10 years off now, you know? <laughs> you know that kind of uh, old, Kind of, I don't know, like Led Zeppelin or something. These classic bands do one album maybe ten years or something, and that kind of thing. Although Metallica seem a bit of a away with it, you know, they seem to have lots of breaks in between doing what they do. Well, I, see, I mean, that's, that's, I guess I suppose it depends. If yeah, I, I know, I think if everyone had a black album in them, I think we could all afford to take a little bit of time off from what everyone. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> I think I mean, you know, bands like bands like Metallica, you know, who's going to be the next big thing? There isn't anybody, you know. I mean, that's something else as well. I mean, I think the next it. big. Band, yeah, the next biggest band to Metallica is nowhere near as big as Metallica, as Metallica is, you know. So, no. uh, yeah, it's, I'm always to see who's going to be the next stadium metal band, you know, if indeed there will be stadium metal bands, you know, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. I reckon it's going to be Architects. I think they're I think they're the next closest that we've got. Architects, I think they're on I don't think they're quite there yet, but they're changing sound over the last few years. I think Yeah, they're pretty yeah, they're a big band, yeah. I saw them a few years ago at Hellfest actually and they were they were, I could tell by the crowd they were just kinda of going down the storm, you know. Yeah. I think uh, I think between them I think you've got Deftones who are on the cusp, but I don't know if they're ever gonna properly push to that level yeah. of popularity. I think they've sort of got their their dedicated fans, you know? I think that yeah, but the, the leap to Metallica is, is a big leap. Though mm. I think I mean Ramstein are probably not that far behind. Oh, that's not. a good shout out, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, again, that you know they're quite an old band. But I mean, mm. obviously Foo Fighters. But then it's kind of stepping more into more, I'd say, more mainstream areas. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, for, for actual metal bands, I'm intrigued to see what's going to be big, you know, going forward. You know, we'll, we'll see. I guess. Well, I said they're still the naysayers. They reckon there isn't any money to be made in touring anymore, which is this really sad thing because we were told for years, you know, because Spotify doesn't pay the artists, that apparently the only place to make money was the tour. Now they're sort of yeah, well, throwing it back the other I way. Mean, yeah, I think it's more merchandise now. I mean, obviously, if you if you play every, if the more gigs you do, the more there's more you can sell merchandise. So hmm. that's merchandise seems to be the kind of thing, the way to do it. But you know, you got to get out there to, to sell it, and then you've obviously got a. Uh, sometimes venues are wanting. Uh, to take uh, fees for selling and all that kind of thing. There's there's lots of, there's lots of uh, barriers constantly being put. But very yeah, no, it's, it's so difficult. I mean, for new artists, I do think it's very very difficult now. Mm. Um, you know, the online pre- presence is, is very important, I think, for new artists. And you know, if you if you're not established, then you you know you've got to be uh, get yourself online and, and get get all those plates spinning. You know, indeed. <laughs> I mean, and ultimately, have some good music, which uh, ultimately is what it should be about, really. But uh, yeah, it seems to be more about it's more to it than that these days. It does seem like it's more of a sort of some sort of dark art. Um, are you guys planning on taking uh, the host project on tour? Um, with everything I've just said, I've not, I'm, I actually don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we, uh, no, we, we, well, I mean, we brought the album just as, as a collection of music, as songs, you know, we didn't stop playing it live. <laughs> uh, which I should have, we should have done because I, I, I mean, of all these years of experience, we should have thought, hang on a minute. You know, are we going to play this live? We didn't even think about it. We just thought, 
Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we, we haven't got a band, you know, so we'd have to get a band together, which, yeah, we'd, I mean, we'd probably hire some friends or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, we, I mean, it's not out of the question, but we'll, we'll see what happens. We haven't done anything this year, but we're, we're not going to be doing a, a 12-week tour of, no. of Europe or anything like that. It's definitely no. not going to be happening. <laughs> I don't know, it might be easier, you know, just, you know, synthesizer, microphone, drum machine. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, won't need a bus or anything, so, you know, stick it in the back of a Nova, yeah. you'll be fine. Yeah, I know, like the pet, pet shop boy sort of thing, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, 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 we'll see, we'll see. But I mean, I, I, I dare say we'll pop up at some point, but uh, as of yet, we haven't made any concrete plans to do anything just yet, so we'll see. Yeah. Happy days. Happy days. Uh, just want to say uh, sincerely thank you very, very much for taking the time. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk to a chap I've been listening to for 25 years. I never thought it'd happen, but um, thank you very, very much. Absolutely thank you amazing. Much, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, I'm not, I've enjoyed every step of the of, of the journey that you guys have taken, and I hope to continue enjoying more on the strength of host. Yeah, there's still plenty of fuel in that tank, and I'm going to love every minute of it. Oh man, I appreciate it. Very nice. I uh, appreciate your support, man. All Not a problem. Cheers, Good luck with the release. Um, hopefully, I'll catch you again soon. All right. Cheers, man. Thanks, Thanks man. Bye bye. MMH. The home of rock radio. What's up, everybody? This is Sarah Wizbanger of The Wizbanger Show, inviting you to hang out with me every Friday from 2 to 4 in California, 5 to 7 in New York City, 10 to midnight in the UK, 11 to 1 a.m. Central European time. Let me ease you into your weekend with the very best of the heavy underground right here on MMH, the home of rock radio. The Game Changer is coming home. DJ Antonian returns to be the Midlands Metalhead for 2023. Serving you up Black Country Tapas, the perfect warm-up for your Saturday night. Arriving soon on MMH, the home of rock radio.
What do you reckon of that then, folks? What do you reckon? Absolutely amazing, wasn't it? Seriously, seriously, I've I got so much time for that guy. Really, really have. Um, so, yeah, Nick, thank you very, very, very much for taking the time. Um, the host record, as you mentioned there, is out on the 24th of February. It's called Nine. Um, we featured a couple of interview, a couple of tracks throughout the course of the interview. Uh, we had uh, Tomorrow's Sky, Hiding from Tomorrow, and the track just played there, My Only Escape, is the current single from the record. Whether or not they'll release a fourth one before the album comes out, I don't know. That'll be almost half the record released as singles, so probably not. I mean, they might drop one on release day, just in case you happen to miss it. But, um, yeah, the album is absolutely fantastic. It truly, truly is. Um, I tend not to shout or brag about things when we get given stuff early, because, you know, I don't particularly like to do that sort of style of thing. But um, this one was passed on to us, and, yeah, so, 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 so cool. It's one of those things where it's just like, this this record is absolutely immense. It's, it's hard not to get enthusiastic and be like, oh my God, about it, because it is so, so cool. Really so, 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 so cool. Absolutely brilliant. Truly awesome. Right, next, what are we going to go for? I'm going to throw one more track at you, and then we will put in, and we'll have uh, Bury Me Where I Fall. Um, so yeah, we'll go for that. In in amongst uh, the chat there I was having with Nick, you, uh, the, the prospect of, of, of silly and amusing 80s covers popped up. I played this last week. I don't care. I'm going to play it again. This track is absolutely amazing. Um, Lord of the Lost have thrown a bonus track of them covering some rock sets onto their current Blood and Glitter record. The album's out now. came out towards the end of last year. This is so cool. It's Lord of the Lost and The Look. She's got 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 the look. 
Of that, then, folks, I think that's absolutely amazing. I really, really do. Lord of the Lost, their current album Blood and Glitter is out now. That is their current single, it's called The Look, featuring Blumchen, who is uh, apparently a, a big pop star in Germany from the 90s. I'm not gonna lie, I've never lived in Germany, so my knowledge of German pop music is remarkably limited. But, um, yeah, I like her vocals, it works, it sounds just like the Roxette version, but with that extra bit of oomph and extra bit of groove. I think it's fantastic, I really, really do. Right, now, 
interview number two. Yes, I know, I know. I had a chance to speak to two awesome bands, two awesome sets of guys, two days apart. Spoke to Nick on a Wednesday and uh, the guys at Baby Moro Fall on the Friday. So, um, yeah, I was properly in a stupidly happy place talking to awesome musicians last week. It was so, so cool. Um, Baby Moro Fall, we're going to talk about their, their lineup, uh, how the band has got to where it is, and uh, what they're going to do next. So, that is coming at you right now. Thank you very much for your time, chaps. See what they had to say for themselves. Bury me where I fall. MMH. The home of rock radio. So, uh, what do you chaps want to talk about? What's your plan? So, you know, have you got some got some, some new tunes to shout about coming around the corner? Well, oh, yeah. you there, Gav? I am, yeah. Is my camera not on? No. Nah. nah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a grey box. You could be anyone. <laughs> it's Nick Reynolds. Right. <laughs> the new EP's uh, pretty much written. So, um, I'd say there's four, four strong tracks there at the minute. Nice. Um, mm-hmm. All different styles in there as well. So, it's got sort of the classic Bury Me Where I Fall sound to it. Obviously, Phil's written some killer riffs on there. Plenty of melody and plenty of hooks, so a lot of stuff that people can, um, you know, big choruses that people can sing along to. Uh, radio friendly, as always. Gotta love that. Gotta love that. But I'm biased, Very. so I'm bound to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, four, four strong tracks. We normally write about seven or eight. We just basically make the call then and just say, right, who's who's going, who's staying. And then uh, hopefully we'll get the studio booked soon, get the artwork commissioned, get after it. But, Happy yeah, days. Happy days. So when you guys go in, do you do you self-produce, or have you got a guy who comes in and works with you? Uh, no, we well we go we record in like studio. So where where we re, where we sort of jam every week, we we record down there, which is the hut in Swaddling Coast. So Nick Ayers, brilliant musician in his own right, he plays in a fantastic band called uh, the Six uh, the Six Letter, and he's a very very talented engineer, very talented producer, and he, it inputs into the songs as well. Ah, nice. You get a lot out of it. He gets he. he it tends to mix along the way as well, and because uh, he knows Gav's what Gav's, you know, Gav's sound on the drums, he'll he'll immediately know what bands you like. So he'll go. I mean, for me as a guitarist, it's it's bang on. You go there with the guitar. Yeah. I don't even bring the case anymore. I used to bring the head, the cat, you know, all the gear down there, and he go, I've got a plug in. <laughs> and you plug in and you're going dude that's better than my cab and my head you know what i mean so we go down there guitar just bring the guitar on its own plug straight in but normally on the first day like 12 one o'clock mm. drums are down and, the, and rough guitars are down nice but, we, but he mixes along the way as well because when you do when you're in the mixing session it just seems to be really quick because mm-hmm. he does everything along the way you go into some studios and you're having a bit of a waffle you're doing that and he's you know because you might, might be sitting there going yeah another one as you're playing you can see him tinkering around and cleaning all the stuff up yeah <laughs> so you, you get you get really good value for money i think but that's why we're knocking these eps out so, so quick because we've both got the same he, he understands what how he wants it to sound yeah they just get battered i mean not in a bad way even they get battered out quick Sometimes I sat there on the Sunday and we finish it early. <laughs> that's unheard of in the studio, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, that's, I mean, the power you... of practice, mate. Well, I suppose that's it. I mean, going in prepared is always a good place to be, isn't it? You know, I mean... Oh, you... yeah. We're always in prepared. There's only been ever one track that was that was called uh, Perfect Victim. 
yeah. where we had time to do another one and we wrote it and kind of, me and Gav had it sorted anyway, mm. the structure, but we just battered it out and I had to quickly write the lyrics, but that's the first time we've ever done anything fast in there because normally me and Gav have like fixed it apart to bits. Yeah, yeah. So when we go, there ain't like, shall I do the other guitar part? I should do that bit. No, no, no. <laughs> it's what's going, you know what I mean? It's already decided. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the best way to be. I mean, like, I mean it's, it's, we all know the, the music business isn't as um, generous with its money as it could be. Um, and yeah. yeah, maintaining life in a band, it's not a cheap business, is it? Let's be honest. By the time you sort yeah. of studio time, touring, gear and all the bits and bobs, it's not the uh, it's not the best way to make money anymore. Let's be honest. So you know, making the most of your time. Making money now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense to get in, use your time wisely, and get back out again. I, and I can't imagine how bands can turn up with you know half an eye, you know, a, a collection of half cooked ideas. Go, we'll be in the studio for about a month. So how? It yeah, just it's used to hear that. You know, like when you hear bands that I, I think in the history of like music documentaries I've watched, all the ones where. You know them albums divide the bands and you go, oh, and I keen on that one. And they go, you know, we were on this one in the studio. It's like, oh man, you went to the studio. Bring it in. You know what I mean? It's like, what are you doing? Bring it in. Uh, it's like, you know, that's just, you can thrash the art, because that's what we'll do. We're, we're quite critical there. If something doesn't sound quite right, mm. you, get, you get shelved. Because if you're trying to force it to work, it's going to sound, you ain't going to sound right. So. No. No, I mean, the, 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 the thing that you guys have that I must admit I really enjoy and what I find most interesting about your sound is that it feels live. Whether or not you guys are, are recording them separately, the way that it's all put together, it feels like it's a band working as a unit yeah. for every single they bit. They are separate, the tracks, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a very distinctive sort of sound, you know, because, I mean, bands, it, as we all know, no matter how much we try to, bands do sound different live to how they do in the studio. No matter how professional mm. you are, you, there are little different nuances, little different elements. You guys have that sort of live feel from the studio. It's wonderful. Yeah, you know, we try
To losing it with Luscious. That's me, Jesse Luscious, spinning the best of punk rock and oh so much more. Every Monday night, 8 to 10 p.m. Only on MMH, the home of rock radio. Because, like, with Gav, he can keep the time well. Well, you got to as a drummer, I suppose, didn't you? I hope so. That's right, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he can do the clicks, but. It sounds better when we just play, get, play, play the drums and we play along. I'll be honest, I think it's a lot of the, a lot of it's the music we used to listen to as kids. We, like me, Gav and Steve, we'll, we'll come up with a band one day and say, oh, do you remember uh, Curb Dog? And they'll go, oh, I used to like them. Yeah. Or like, you know, like, we've always, we always we find the three of us, like, we've liked the same bands growing up. And a lot of their music, when I look when I go back, like the first Silverchair album, if you listen to that, mm-hmm. it sounds... Really, I'm not one sound like ours because I've stared a bit of it. They'd have a much more bigger budget, mm. but their sounds live, and I love that sound I do. Where it, it sounds like it's real, it doesn't sound digital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I think I think as, as, as music technology has moved forwards, you know, the the recording options are there to make things sound shinier, and yes, it's a bizarre right. one. You know, the professionalism is sort yeah. of deemed on having this very shiny product, but. Sometimes shiny just sounds. I, I was reading the thing about how a lot of people were complaining about the over-processed elements of the technical death metal scene and how all of the bands yeah. just sound the same because they've all got the same sound. They've got the same set of Pro Tools, and it all yeah. just becomes so faceless, you know. Yeah. In comparison, I think going back to what you did with referring to Silverchair, grunge never had that because grunge bands always had their very distinctive, unique elements about them. And when they yeah, did start they did, to sound oh, yeah, the same, yeah. they got pulled to pieces, you know. But you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, Silverchair would, yeah, I, I loved Silverchair growing up. They were a whole sort of different level of magic. They really, really were. Um, someone else would name man. <laughs> they were just that yeah, else. absolutely amazing, absolutely amazing. It's, it's weird. I mean, there's um, was it in Newcastle where Daniel Johns is from? There's a big plaque and such like celebrating the fact that that's where he came from and all this sort of stuff because wow. he recently redid. Um, he redid a few bits and bobs from the pre from the back catalogue, and he's reworked them as he would from now, from his adult perspective. And it's really, it's it's a really bizarre listen to hear how he would reconstruct the songs. Really cool, but very, very different. Very, very different. He's obviously yeah, a very, yeah. very different man now, and to to the boy he was. But it's, I suppose it's understandable. Yeah, no, it's really, really cool to see what he's done with it. Really, really cool. Um, but yeah, he, he still lives. He still lives in Newcastle where he grew up. So it's weird. I don't know where the rest of the band have ended up, but he's gone back to where he started. It's a shame. Yeah, I was, I was like, because I was, I think I would have been the same age or, or just a bit younger. Mm. And I used to think, 
how's the, how's the mate that i'm playing guitar at home i'm nowhere near that level of you know like not so much with the oh, i think he's a great singer as well he's, mm. when you see him hear him live he's um his vocals always cock on even in the early days yeah but not only could he sing well he could construct these songs together but what i love about it is like you know people like some of them will moan about the lyrics but you go these kids are 15 and they were singing about things that were 15 but it's still relatable when you're like yeah when you listen to it thinking this, this is must have been what they were thinking about when they were younger but yeah yeah the songs themselves i think i think that was the thing that was the wonder of what they managed to create they managed to create there was uh there was the obvious energy the youthful exuberance but somehow they managed to create wonderfully melodic guitar lines yeah, and the choruses right. were huge it was uh, i think that was the wonder of, of, of the 90s you could you didn't have to be extreme to an extent to make an impact oh, yeah. it's had to be yeah. relatable i would say because I mean, for me one of my favorite records from the 90s will always be trouble gum and oh it's yeah. it's it's, it's, it's you know it's faultless <laughs> from front to back it's just an amazing piece of work and yeah. you know it's 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 not overly technical but the riffs on it are absolutely killer. You know, I mean, something like, yeah. um, you know, something like Scream Age has got like four riffs before he even opens his mouth. And the song's barely two and a half minutes long. It's like, what the hell is going on? It's just like... <laughs> and then the uh, chorus is massive. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely insane. You know, and, and you know, all, all the technicality that is that's so shined and so enthused about now, which, you know, I could appreciate. Good guitar playing is good guitar playing, but it, it, yeah. it shouldn't come at the, at the prerequisite of a decent song. You don't have to be technically... Oh, turn on that album. That was mm. a good song. It was a massive uh, song. I'm, I'm biased. I was a teenager in the '90s, so it was what I grew up with. So it's that sort of period of time, isn't it? From around about sort of 13 to about sort of early 20s. That's your your sort of golden period. And oh, no matter yeah, what yeah. era oh. that is, that's you know your Don Mega, mm. and nothing will ever beat that. No matter how good the stuff before it or after it was. You know, I mean, yeah. I was a you know, 80s kid, and I loved the 80s music. But teenager in the 90s, that's sort of my thing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I think we're probably getting off track. We should probably focus on the EP. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, kind of lost good. track of where we're going. Um, the the EP is 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 ready. You've got the tracks in mind. You've got your list ready yeah. to go. Yes. Um, now, see, for me, I. For, for my to my ears, I would say on the last record, it felt like you had a little bit more of um, like a kill switch, like Metallica sort of hybrid type thing going on. The yeah. earlier ones felt a bit sort of thrashier in comparison. This one, it seemed like the melody was starting to eke its way into the writing a little bit more. Are you okay, yeah. are, are you heading in similar sort of direction to there, or are you going heavier or lighter? How's it feeling in comparison? Some of the tracks is more melodic. Okay. Got, the, the last track's going to be really quite heavy. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, well, very yelly because, like, the last one, I, I didn't really do much growls, but um, mm. it'll probably be similar in this next one. But there's there's a little bit more uh, shouting. Oh, okay. The last track, it's, it's angry in a good way. But um, <laughs> it's like, uh, what did Steve call it? He said it was an Alice in Chains come uh, Lamb of God. I was like, oh, all right, okay. I like okay. That. Bizarre hybrid. So not going like, You know, like a bit. Bit grungy riffs, but yeah, then yeah. The, the, the the singing's a little bit lamagoddy in places. Oh, okay, okay, so that but could work. Contrast between the two. Well, yeah, I mean, th th I mean, are you ever worried about falling into the metalcore staple? Because there's there are definitely elements of metalcore, say, rolling through. I mean, you don't have the breakdowns, which is oddly quite nice. Because I mean, when you fall into the fact <laughs> that it's just going to cut when it's the same riff, but just coming back slower and slow. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, there's times when I do get the stank face on, and you go, oh, and it's awesome. But <laughs> you know, sometimes it's nice to hear something doing a little bit different, which for me is where you get that. That's where I hear the Metallica sort of kill 
Switchy sort of hybrid because yeah. as opposed to coming back in with the filthy riff, you add an extra layer with a solo or a slight change and it brings yeah. the pace up and it gives it a point of difference. Are you ever concerned about falling into any of the cliches with the comparison between the harsh and the clean vocal and all that sort of stuff? I'll be honest, I've never thought of it. I've said it before, um, we don't, we tend to, we tend to write what comes out, if you know what I mean? So whatever comes out, mm -hmm. as long as it sounds good and it don't sound a little bit like, mm. doesn't sound like us, because we have, me and Gav wrote a one track, one, uh, I can't remember what it's called now, but it, it, it was quite, it weren't soft soft, but it weren't really up for the, yeah. the you know, like the metal genre sort of thing. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, this is good, but it just doesn't, doesn't so, we tend to, I think I'd be more worried, ironically, if it was too soft. <laughs> because if it goes into the heavier aspects, we're, we're quite happy with that. Yeah. But um, I like the fact that it don't get too pigeonholed. It can be a bit awkward, though, because like when people say, "What? what's your genre? And you go, well, it's rock metal. You can't really. Yeah. There's no one really to. Uh, well, I was in a band before, and we were literally just like, I suppose we were hardcore or metalcore. We probably would be called metalcore, but there'd be no doubt. He'd be like, that's, that's you. Yeah. <laughs> but it's quite like the facts, you know, it's all right now and then. <laughs> Put it at the start of a track. We haven't yeah. done that for a while. Wouldn't, wouldn't suit this one, but, you know, we're always open to ideas. You know, as long as it don't get too soft. Yeah. That's what I wouldn't, you know, we well, don't good. That's always good. And even if it's soft, you've got to have an edge in you, you know. You need something <laughs> just to set it apart a bit, you know. You don't want to end up being, yeah, no. Yeah, no, no, no. You don't want to be like melted ice cream in the sun. You want to be, you know, out the freezer, ready to go. <laughs> That's it, no banjos. There is a banjo in the studio. Well, we're going to pull the banjos out, yeah. Well, you see, you say that. I'm not going to lie. Uh, was it Invidious by um, Revocation has got banjos in it I that's that band, actually, yeah. Oh, yeah. first time hearing that song and just being this riff is awesome then the banjos like oh my god what this what the <laughs> and yeah it, it's when it's, it's went back to me he's like no 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 I must have been high that was not a banjo and went back and was like no there is a banjo what the no uh, right and then the vi have you seen the video for it with Dave he's absolutely it's, oh, he's so got the playing style as well though it's... he only plays his metal he actually uses that finger picking style he's with the with a thrash riff yeah, I love watching his videos because he makes it look so easy and he looks so right. So, so what you do, it's too, it's, no, it's not that easy. And he just sort of goes to how to make a metal riff. And it's just yeah, amazing. I love watching him. But yeah, it's, it's he makes it sound so simple. And I suppose that's it. It's, it's, it's always been the way, isn't it? The masters of the craft make it look easy. And yeah. I've seen him live actually play uh, with Dying Fetus. Oh. And um, even when he was talking, he was just doing a, uh, how are we doing, guys? It's just like, how's he doing that? Yeah, I've got, I really enjoyed Revocation. Great band. The man's a, he's a wizard. Oh, I've he got really two is. more songs like them, but uh, between me and you, I can't. <laughs> Dave, Dave is, yeah, there's something, there's some black magic wizardry going on with that guy. How he can manage to jump around and yeah no it's, it, it 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 hurts my head to even think about it i'm not gonna lie see i can appreciate that that's the thing it, it, i mean the technical playing in, in him is just a whole other level but you, i don't think uh, yeah we don't need more of them just one's enough one's to, yeah no if we had too many yeah, of those, it, just, it just hurts it's not safe <laughs> right um so for those who aren't aware brief history of the band when did you guys start 2019 we started mm -hmm. uh, i think it was the um it might have actually been 2018, the winter, but it, let's say the January the 2019. Mm -hmm. We spent most of the um, the uh, writing material. Mm -hmm. And then COVID, we played one gig, <laughs> and then COVID happened, and the band just fell apart. <laughs> Luckily, we, we, recorded, yeah, we recorded one EP, one gig. Uh, me and Steve remained, the drummer and the guitarist left. Mm -hmm. uh, well, they just didn't come back. They said, look, you know, don't want to come back. Yeah. And then luckily, we'd come across Gav, 
it was a friend of a friend sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, in the, in a shorter time span, we had four, three or four EPs, <laughs> and we were doing gigs. It was just like it happened really quick. Sometimes things click, don't they? Yeah, and it yeah, clicks. Very, yeah, very yeah. natural, on it. Very natural. Just Absolutely, that one, yeah. one, one, one sort of initial uh, just jam together, didn't we? And ran through four or five songs, and it's a couple more rehearsals, and it's like, right, I've got this riff, and then we just started writing them, and that was it. Happy days. Right, you, you knew Nick, didn't you? So Gavin introduced mm. us to Nick at the studio, and uh, it was like record there. Then we we wrote a load more. It was like, should we put them in the studio again? Damn right. You know what I mean? We were straining. So it was great because I tell you, 2020, I've just thought to myself, am I ever going to play in a band again? Because not the the lads are a bit like, oh, you know, we don't know what's going on with the world. Mm-hmm. I sat at home playing riffs. You know, I didn't stop writing at all. I was just, I had loads. I've stuck. I found one of my old iPhones with that. There's about 180 recordings on it. Well, yeah, it keep you just, out of trouble for a while, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, that's what I need. I need, uh, we need some money so I can just do that. <laughs> I'm very happy with that. <laughs> okay, so who would you say is the biggest influence on your playing style then since you started? I was a band like your. A bit of both. Well, what, 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 what's, uh, where, where do you reckon it all kicked off for you? What do you reckon, Gav? Well, uh, well I started off drumming uh, when I was really seriously when I was like 13 so back then I was into Maiden a uh, bit of a secret Kiss fan and all that sort of stuff obviously Metallica Slayer Dave Lombardo absolute legend so and then I got into this then moving into the sort of the grunge and mm. obviously all the indie stuff so Foo Fighters Dave Grohl mm. and then now it's just loads of different bands I'm into everything that they loads of different influences I think you said that when I you grow it, up you sort of focus on one bit don't you then you sort of realise it's okay to like other stuff when you get a bit older and go why was I, why was I, I, I should have helped myself it was all about that. the double bass one. Uh, it was all about double bass and blast beats ah uh, yeah Cannibal Corpse I was that's because I hit my sort of death metal period yeah so of age 15 16 that's all I listened to extreme stuff black metal um, and yeah and then just sort of yeah, went into all different industrial so a lot of ministry, pit shifter, uh, GGF8s, that sort of stuff. Basically, that's what I must. I love hearing uh, Dave Grohl's drumming on Killing Jokes record. That is absolutely out mm. of this world. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely amazing. Yeah. Brilliant album. He's, he's never waste any. Like as great as he's a songwriter, I think he's a better drummer. Yes, yeah. he improves other bands' songwriting because. Remember that Queens of the Stone Age when you went with the um, yeah he joined the the, album. yeah it was a Songs to the Death wasn't it he was on that one yeah yeah Songs to the Death although the songs are really good on there I don't think the album would have been quite as incredible if it was just a regular drummer on that it's, yeah some of the tracks you listen to them you know that one that goes yeah he brings that's a real if you had if you had a stock drummer on that one it'd be like and he just wouldn't there's a groove that he sort of somehow hits in it. It's, it's ridiculous. You just, you just complete. What well, was a shame at the time? I remember they released an album after, and it weren't that good. No. And I think he rewrote it, and it was like um, he was trying to get an album like them, and he yeah. made them better, but he couldn't quite do it for his own band. No. Which is that's music in a in a nutshell, because you can't force anything. You know what I mean? Very true. So. Um, Very true. When you force it, you don't work. I think it's, it's. I think it's. I think. I think it's, it's. It's drawing the comparison between music being the art form and then music being the product. You know, when it becomes yes, the product and it becomes yeah. something you have to produce within a certain time frame, it, it can go a bit wonky. But 
at the same time, was it um, was it last year? Yeah, last year. Twen- no, yeah, it was last year. No, it was the year before. 2021. A chap called Daniel Graves. He's an industrial guy. Does his uh, art performances at the F- as aesthetic perfection. He challenged himself to release a single every single month for the whole year during lockdown. Wow. Um, and he went into it. He, he said by his, by his own admission, he had the first sort of three months sort of planned out in his head. Nothing recorded, but mm. he had the idea for it. And then the rest was sort of winging it as he went. And he felt that though he, he was well aware of the fact that it became a product and it became just a piece that he had to do first Friday of every month, his single and his video had to be ready. He felt that it sort of honed his skills more because he was focusing on trying to create the art at the time. But yeah. at the same time, he also became convinced that he, uh, was it, I think it was around about sort of August sort of time, he went, I don't ever want to hear these songs ever again. I hate them. But you can't, I'll tell you what, there's, um, there's nothing worse when you when you hear when you hear a song you've played mm. and, it, and uh, you listen to it and you're thinking, That's just, I just want to get rid of that. And you mm. want to delete it from existence. I do feel, well, I don't feel sorry for these fans, but I feel some sympathy for them where, you know, when they have a big hit single and they don't like it. Mm-hmm. And imagine having that whole career again. You can blow it up, you can blow it up, you know. Well, now we've got better ones. But you know, like, I say this is a terrible example. Pants tear at it with Walk. Mm-hmm. Now, Walk is an amazing song. Is it the best one? I don't think so. I don't think it's anywhere close. I think they've got way better tracks. But you go throughout your whole. Like the vinyl with Team uh, Smells or Team Spirit. Mm. I think it drove it mad towards the end. He didn't want to play. No, Because it was not. like a big hit, wasn't it? Yeah. And he was like, I've got these, these. I mean, I, to be honest, with Nirvana, I prefer the, the B-side ones, the insecticide ones. Mm. <laughs> you know, because that's, you know, again, we go back to the raw thing, but I think when you've, when you, who was it now? Um, Rick Rubin said, music, it doesn't have, you can't have, you can't deliver it quarterly for music. No. It's got to be creative. And you can't be like, just done on key. So I'm assuming we're always going to hear you guys doing what you want to do, right? Yeah, because we've got no um, VCs come back in us. <laughs> <laughs> but we are welcome to uh, I'm talking to Silverchair I've got to tell you this I watched a great documentary yeah. and Daniel Johns hired an orchestra all this kind of stuff on the one album that yeah, I yeah. think it was amazing and the record company went oh, where's, the, where's the, the singles it was like there ain't none he's like well you've hired all this stuff on it we, we want these tracks and they were like look you can do this on your solo stuff we're paying for this <laughs> so in a way Want to keep from the label because you're living your dream, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they they want a bit of a return as well, don't they? Yeah, but you're I right. Think, but... No, I think once once it now now oddly I, I think it's it's something that um, Daniel Graves from Aesthetics Perfection pointed out again because now because the control can be done by the artist if you've got the nous to want to do it. And oddly, it's something again that came from when I was talk, when talking to Nick Holmes earlier in the week. He said you know, it's the same thing. If you want to do it, you have to be on it. You have to be your own social ma- social media manager. You have to be able to shoot your own videos yeah. and do all this stuff. And if you want to do it, the opportunities are there. The technology is there to do it, but it's a lot of work in comparison to before, where you turn up, you write your songs, you play your songs, and hopefully people like them, and you move on to the next town and just go round and round and round. You can't just hit the bricks anymore and sadly hope to survive, which is the frustrating thing, I think, for a lot of artists. And I think it's putting a lot of artists off and slowing down the process because you need to have so much more going than just sadly decent songs which is what it should be about you're right there you know if you haven't got the other bits the fancy videos and the uh and, and even the um what would you call it now you know when people say you got a tiktok you're like yeah TikTok. What about that, man? 
Well, you've got to do it in a way. Well, whatever. Yeah, I don't fancy. But... I, I think it depends on what you're aiming to get out of it. If you guys are just, I think it's going to come down to if you as an artist are just happy, play your tunes, do some shows. The people that mm. show up to the shows, enjoy the shows. The people who stream the tunes or buy the tunes are happy with them. Job done. Yeah. You know, I think if you go, I think if you're trying to make a life from it, yeah, there's more to it than just decent songs these days, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, you need to think they're nice, they? Mm. You know what I mean? Because uh, a lot of these people you see them and you're going, who is he? He's mm. a pop star. I've only ever seen him on the TV, you know, like talking, you know, <laughs> announcing things. Because he actually sing anything. <laughs> <laughs> like a celebrity, but mm. can sing as well, you know what I mean? And, yeah, There's a lot of that too, I think with auto the singing is purely optional these days. You know, it depends how you look in a pair of jeans and a vest. Apart from that, it's not really all that worried. Don't really worry about the rest. It's all good. It's that's, all good. Yeah, see, that's the other thing I like about recordings. When you, you know, you hear a band recording, you hear the vocals, and you're going, that note was ever so slightly off then. But what I love is that means it was recorded properly. Yeah. And then you can just slightly hear it, like, because you can always hear when the, the voices are like um, overproduced. It's got that chorusy type. Yeah. Effect from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? No, no. Uh, it, it, yeah, I think that was something they did really well in the '90s. They kept the singers sounding real. You know, yeah. It, yeah. Everything felt, yeah. everything feels real. And to an extent, certain bands have managed to pull it off. I'd say someone like, um, for example, um, Ollie Sykes and Bring Me the Horizon. He still manages to sound real, despite the fact it is very oh, produced. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it still sounds real. Youngblood, same thing. I know how he. It, I don't know how on earth he does his work. It's amazing, but it still feels very real you can still feel a connection to his work maybe that's down to the lyrics or how much of the personality you get from him outside of the music so when it goes into it you can sort of feel what he's at again both of those bands are playing the social media game very very well in comparison to the rest of us so the market is yeah. definitely there but i don't know maybe that's me being cynical i don't know and we want to get loaded and we want to have a good time Tuesday at 6pm make sure you tune in to Loaded with me Steve Webb for your weekly fix of indie indie rock alternative grunge punk post-punk rock shoegaze a little bit of hip-hop a little bit of electro there is loads going on only on MMH the home of a rock radio
When there's nothing happening, let's say like Saturday afternoon, mm-hmm. you know, literally you just happen to hit it where a lot of people go, oh, you know, oh that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you can get and it just, and it just goes viral. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, it is it is as weird as like that, you know. But a lot of bands have had that before where you go back to where their break was and you just laugh. You go, what the band broke from that? And then mm-hmm. they just they just spiraled out of control. You know, yeah. it happens, didn't he? Yeah. Some people get all the luck. You've got to have, You've just got to have something with you to, to keep it along because, like, you get a lot of them bands where they release the second album and they go, mm. Yeah, what's that, lads? He's cutting any. You get, I can't wait to get this new album, you know, back in the day. Mm. You did have the CD, you put it in the player. First song goes in, you go, Okay. And you get to track three and you go, Oh, no. Yeah. Disappointments there, and it. Yeah, happens so many times. So many That's times. That's why we write four track EPs. So the <laughs> disappointments. It's disappointment in small doses. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, because like, I think one day, I think one day we will do the full length one, but at the mini, I think it's good because we can get it out quicker. Yeah. Not, not because of speed on it, but I think if a band our size, if we give someone 10 tracks to listen to, they're not going to, yeah. they're probably not going to listen to 10, but they no. will listen to four. Which, that's it there is the argument that the album is dead you know for a lot of people because of the yeah. way that playlists and the such like work you pick your singles and you dump them into your playlist and that's where you go yeah. um, right now I'm running out of time so it must be time for a shameless plug where would people find you where is their best bet to look for you got your social media addresses and website addresses to hand gentlemen so you can find us on Facebook um, if you search for BMWIF, uh, go go for the acronym, and I'll take you to the Facebook page. We're on um, Twitter, which is at Berry MWIF. Phil's the Twitter man. I'm the <laughs> Facebook man. <laughs> nice. Uh, and then we're, we're you want on... a quick response? Good to Gav. <laughs> <laughs> we're on uh, we're on YouTube. We've got loads of content on YouTube. Um, we're always sticking studio videos on. Um, on Twitter and on Facebook. I've discovered the reels, the reels are ace, because it's 60 seconds, just a quick blast, and uh, we'll, we'll record sort of maybe four or five live tracks from the studio, so we just keep putting them on, they, they've gone down really well, getting nice. really good views on them. Spotify as well, there's 20 plus tracks on Spotify as well, so nice. go and fill your beats, as well as other streaming services which are available. <laughs> I think they're all on there, yeah. <laughs> iTunes Music, if you just, just search for Barry Moore or 4 on YouTube, on the uh, YouTube Music app and all that, mm. it just comes straight up now, thank God. Before, you'd have to try and drill down, but it's starting to come up a bit more now. So, nice. uh, we're, on, we're actually on BeatShoot as well. Nice. Starting to make a bit more of a footprint, lads. Uh, yeah, we're just trying to get it out there, but, um, yeah, everywhere but TikTok, and I don't think we're on <laughs> Instagram either. I, 
I don't know about TikTok. I hope this don't bite me on the uh, the bum, but. So, I, mean, I, I think from I what, what I can gather, see. I think someone biting you on your bum whilst you're shaking it, I think is the way to go on TikTok. So I don't know. Maybe <laughs> there, there could be there could be an option there for you to explore, lads. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'm That'll too old. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when you see like you know, a lot of people in the streets or at work watching TikTok videos, and you see them, and they go, uh, and you think you're not on beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't feel right, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, dear me. Right. Um, but, lads, thank you very much for the time. Been an Thanks absolute time, pleasure. <laughs> really, really has. Yeah, good luck with the EP. Can't wait to hear it. Yeah, looking forward to see what you got up your sleeves next, lads. It's it's always a pleasure when they come through. It's always nice to be able to sort of dig in and see. And, yeah, I love the little ride with, that, that I'm getting to take with you guys on, on, on the tunes. It's been really, really cool. Really has. Really. Thanks for supporting us, Ben. Uh, no yeah, bother, lads. No bother. Really um, appreciate yeah. it. Be good, lads. Stay safe. <laughs> see you in a bit. MMH The home of rock radio Well, 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 what do you reckon that then folks? Seriously, awesome guys aren't they? Awesome, awesome guys, and there were some seriously fresh tunes thrown into that mixture as well. That was um, Gav and Phil of Bear Me Where I Fall talking about their current record, talking about their forthcoming record, and talking about what's made them where pretty much get to where they are now. Um, yeah, seriously, chaps, huge love for taking the time to have a chat. It was really cool fun. It really, really was. Um, uh, we played a couple of tracks from them there from the band. We threw in uh, Shadows of the Fallen and The Weak Amongst Us. What do you reckon? Do you like them? I like them. Oh, they were awesome tunes. They, they highlighted really where the band were doing and what they do really, really well. The melody and the groove, and as Phil mentioned, some of the slightly more shoutier moments kicking within the tunes as well. Um, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Right. It's time. It's now time to say goodnight. Um, it's time to say thank you very, very much to anyone who has listened to this tonight, wherever and whenever you happen to be. Thank you, sincerely thank you. Also, it seems fair to say big, big love to all my other all my other DJs who've been on today. You had The Only Bird at 11, you had uh, Mitz and Kaz on at 2, and you had Mighty Mark on at 6 with Pedal to the Metal. Love that chap. Love that chap. Right, it's time to uh, play out. I'm going to play out with a band called Prima, or Prima, spelled P-R-Y-M-A. The song is called Freaky Friday, Freaky Fright Night. It's really cool. Um, yeah, we're we'll back again next week here on mmhradio.co.uk from 8 till 10. Every single Saturday you can catch us on the Podbean, um, on the podcast if you miss anything. Yeah, be good, stay safe, have an amazing week. I will see you real soon, people. Good night.
shallow you're still 